This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Welcome back to another episode of Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. My name is Tyler. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bo. And unfortunately, we are back after a pretty long hiatus uh, to commemorate the life of the Black Panther himself, of T'Challa himself. Chadwick Boseman on Friday, we found out, passed away uh, from a four-year bout with colon cancer. It was shocking for all of us to hear. Most of us did not know. It turns out many people even who starred alongside of him did not know as well. And so we felt that it was appropriate for us to come back on the podcast and talk through the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Guys, uh, I'll start with Bo because I know this is very difficult. It's ironic because Chadwick died on uh, baseball's Jackie Robinson Day. He also passed away on the birthday of Jack Kirby, who was the founder of Black Panther. Uh, so this was a body blow in many different ways. And so, you know, kind of before we even get into it, we're just processing it. We're working through it live here with you and trying to think through how to best commemorate the life of such a titanic actor, but also someone who meant so much to us in a cultural context over the past few years. So, Bo, We've had so many conversations about Black Panther. We talked about it up and down, backwards and forwards, before, when it was announced, the casting choices and decisions. And so for you to hear this, where were you and how did this news hit you? Yeah. Um, so I was I was actually taking a, a somewhat, I don't want to say failed, but I was trying to take a personal retreat. Uh, and so it was on the evening I was, I was taking a personal retreat to get some work done specifically for the, for the foundation actually. And, um, you know, for the first time in weeks, it kind of unplugged from uh, my family and tried to unplug from everything, including the internet, uh, to the best of my ability. And it was that evening and I got a text from Jamar and I was just immediately, it was a gut punch. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And I immediately broke my, you know, self-imposed internet mm -hmm. fasting to find out that of course it was, I, I, it was true. And you know, it's interesting because, so I feel like, I feel like we need to say this up front because this is going to, this is going to like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we were able to, to do this because it, it's, it's kind of a good space. I think, like you say, for us to process how we feel, because there's a lot that I haven't quite figured out how I feel. I felt like emotions, like a lot of emotions instantly. And this, you know, we lose celebrities and it's easy for somebody to kind of roll their eyes or something like that. But there's something about an artist who's able to make something real, to really go beyond, <laughs> you know, fiction and touch on something true in their art form. And when they are successful at doing that, they create like there's a, there's a sense of a relationship that exists because of the way their art form has impacted you personally. And 
I, you know, like I said, I've just been looking forward to the opportunity to kind of process on this podcast because I got that. I, I felt a ton of emotions about it. And, um, you know, as we've seen, as you mentioned, uh, some of the interviews and everything that have come out, like just what he knew that the rest of us didn't know that he was going through. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of angles here, man, but that's, that's my, uh, blubbering attempt to kind of, you know, <laughs> vocalize how I felt in the moment. I just, it was mm-hmm. a gut punch. Aaron, what about you? It was, I, I was, um, actually packing, um, to get on the road and, um, I, my, my wife called me, uh, from, from the bedroom and, uh, I just, I was like, no, you're, that's not right. You know, um, there's no way that that's true. And just the, the utter shock of it, um, especially, uh, learning, not only of his passing, but the reason of his passing, um, uh, the, the disease that, that took his life and, um, how it's just such a flood of emotions and thoughts. And, um, not just thinking about myself, I believe that there were so many of us who are older, more mature in life, and who happen to be parents who immediately thought about our children because we shared that movie, that character with our children, <laughs> with our families, with our friends, um, with our communities. But speaking of our of our children in particular, and and uh I it was, you know. The first thing that kind of comes to my mind when when I think about him was that for some reason, man, even though, you know, there's no personal relationship whatsoever, the manner in which he portrayed uh, and, 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 um, you know, Black Panther on screen and the manner in which he conducted himself uh, in life he just felt so accessible to me. Like you ever had that before? Somebody that just feels mm-hmm. just profoundly yeah. accessible, you know, um, to, to the degree that you, you, you follow their lives with this kind of, uh, you know, and their accomplishments with, in, with intrigue and you're, you're pulling for them. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very, we've, we've walked through now this year in particular, but of course, other times, this 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 process this dynamic of grieving people that we've never met before <laughs> and you know it's it, it's um you know our, our prayers are absolutely with you know his family and all of those who did know him and who surround him is his wife and and all of those things of course you know who the sting of that i i've been personally up close and personal to that dynamic and and i know that it's difficult uh, and, and so just utter shock, man. And to be honest with y'all, I just had to take a step back, uh, lay down beside my wife and just breathe and just breathe deeply because it just for a second, just with everything that we've been walking through, um, it just started to feel overwhelming for a moment. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Earlier this year in January, I remember we were out in actually a restaurant after Sunday dinner um, or after our Sunday church service, just kind of having Sunday dinner as a family. And we saw the breaking news bulletin. It first chirped up as a tweet on my phone uh, that someone was reporting and announcing that Kobe Bryant and his at then at that time it was just Kobe Bryant uh, mm-hmm. people knew had been killed in a helicopter crash. And I remember before I broke that news to my family, I just kind of sat with it for a second. I was quiet. And eventually they saw the television in the restaurant. And it seems so funny to say a restaurant because this was pre-COVID lockdown and everything seems like years ago uh, because it's been that long since I've been to a restaurant. And I remember they kind of looked up at the screen and said, wait a minute, what's that? And I said, yeah, I'm hearing reports that Kobe was killed in a helicopter crash. And I remember just this hush went over the entirety of the table, and then it kind of moved to the rest of the restaurant, and we were all just shocked and stunned. And in a similar context, I was actually over uh, at my in-laws' house on Friday and was actually able to kind of process this news with them. And so I was thankful in one sense that I was able to receive this news with family, but this one caught me completely off guard in a similar context as Kobe's uh, tragic death and his uh, daughter Gianna's tragic death caught me. But then even beyond that, I think there was a special sense of, of hopelessness because and despair because it seemed like Chadwick had so many wonderful, incredible, talented, uh, productive years ahead of him. And yeah. he had so much time and he had so much possibility. He had so much potential ahead of him. And I think what hurt us the most was, you know, often we we talk about actors and Hollywood celebrities, and we do, we roll our eyes, we look at them as, as people who are not human. Chadwick had this, this dual sense of regal gravitas, and at the same time, this accessibility that if he walked into any room, he would be one of us. Yeah, And so there was this one side where you looked at him and he was almost this unattainable, pristine, deliberate, even the way he carried himself, the way he always had his head up and his shoulders back. Uh, the little subtleties that you start to see in all these interviews, there was never a time where he walked into a room and he treated himself or walked up to a stage or um, you know, said something in an award show. There was never this sense that he treated himself as less than anyone in the room but also never any sense that he treated himself as better than anyone in the room. And that is just such a rare quality for someone who is that well-known. We're used to our actors being bombastic. We're used to them being in scandalous headlines and the fodder for paparazzi. And Chadwick was never that. He was never the person who was taking the blockbuster roles just simply to take them. He was always the person who was principally playing Black characters Principally, he, you know, it's it's very, it's a hilarious kind of joke within our community that, you know, Chadwick is going to be the the person who plays President Obama and and all every famous black person who would ever do a biopic, Chadwick would be the one to uh, act in their role. And it was funny to us, but also at the same time, now that he is gone, it carries with it an extra meaning that he intentionally chose those roles to portray the best of us. And it was almost as though he carried himself in a way that was intended to make him 
him in real life, him, you know, the person he is in real life worthy to play the roles that he was going to to play. And mm-hmm. almost like he carried himself as though he needed to be worthy to be our king. And that was what hit me the most was this is not just some throwaway celebrity, but this is someone who lived his life intentionally to represent our community. And of course, you know, on this podcast and on on many others, we talk about him in the context of his role as T'Challa, as the Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thinking back on his casting, you know, as we kind of zoom out a little bit, when he was cast as Black Panther, do you remember your initial reactions? Because I don't remember my initial reaction. I think there was a little bit of disappointment because I wanted it to be another actor. And Chadwick was a phenomenal actor and I I realized it, but I don't remember if I fully embraced it or if I thought that it was kind of a safe choice or what have you. Do you remember your reaction when Chadwick was picked and how that changed and maybe what changed your mind about his worthiness to play that role. That's interesting. I, you know, it's even hard to think back <laughs> to anything in the before times. Uh, man, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think back to even when in Civil War, when we're first, even like in the the Civil War pro- promotional material, when we're first introduced to T'Challa, uh, maskless. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's the, it's his establishing shot where his back is to you, the camera's Bro, coming in. He's that's it. Looking thing. That was the yeah. moment. And so in like, like, so I think, cause I, I don't believe I was following the casting news. I'd been so trusting in Marvel for the most part. Like I almost every single casting choice with a few exceptions, there's no, you know, no need to get into now, but like for the most point, like I've been like, no, I, what, this person, sure. I mean, they took the kid from Parks and Rec and turned him into Star Lord. Yeah, sure. What, what, what? You know, I, I, I trust, right, I trust right. this franchise. But no, when he, when he, when you get that first shot of him, and then of course you also get some action sequences and that sort of thing. But when you get that first shot, shot of T'Challa specifically, of Chadwick kind of turning towards the camera after kind of surveying, uh, you know, what's going on beneath that. No, man, he was the king. Like instantly, I, I, I had nothing but trust for where he was going to take the character. Exactly. As soon as I saw that moment where he kind of looks over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. in Civil War, I said, that dude. And then he kind of had this, that regal moment where there was such strength. And then the first moment of dialogue, he's speaking with, you know, another member of the Avengers, Black Widow. And then he speaks with his father. And there's an intimate moment of, from a Black father to a Black son, where the father touches his son's face. There's just that intimate moment and then I said, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. Because he, the, the character was not introduced in violence. The character was, it was introduced with gentleness and with an intentional cross-generational Black appreciation. I said, oh, oh, this is it. Oh, yeah. No, that's the king. And then there was the physicality that he brought to the role. There was just something. It felt like he was coming from a different place. And I think what's so surprising and stunning about all of this is apparently we're to understand that over the past four years, he has been diagnosed with colon cancer and was battling it almost in complete obscurity and secrecy from everyone who he worked alongside. There was a letter that Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, one of the best directors in Hollywood, just recently put out about his friendship with Chadwick. And he says in that letter that he wasn't privy to the details of his illness. 
And it's shocking to think that he was scheduling around cancer and chemotherapy visits and scheduling around doctor's appointments and weakness and sickness. And it actually stunned me because I look back to his explosive introduction in Civil War to his much more measured and reserved and composed fight choreography in Black Panther. Yeah. And I know we had mentioned that a little bit in the podcast, you know, how it was a little bit different. And I don't remember what excuse I gave. I was like, well, you know, it's just, it's different. It's not really that big of a deal. But now I see it was probably intentional because looking at Black Panther now, you see his fighting choreography movements were a little bit more deliberate and not necessarily as recklessly explosive as uh, other superheroes and as he was in Civil War. And so now I look back and I'm, I'm so thankful that we were able to see him introduced in that role in kind of a blockbuster sense because it gave us a gateway into a phenomenal career. Uh, no doubt. I was initially more excited about the introduction of the Black Panther as the as the you know the Marvel character into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe than I was about Chadwick Boseman playing the character, and he literally in Civil War won me over. And and honestly, it wasn't. I mean, the the his action sequence, of course, uh, the action sequences were were phenomenal, but it was the end of the movie where he meets the man who's responsible for his father's death. And it just seems like he's operating on a different plane in terms of his character and his wisdom. And it brought such a depth to a Marvel movie that in my estimation, we had never seen before. Um, The manner in which he engaged this man and seeing him let go of the anger and the, the desire for, for vengeance and retribution. And I just saw a depth in the character and the manner in which he portrayed it so much so that at the news of that, you know, the fact that, Hey, you know, uh, by the way, you know, there's a, there's a black Panther film coming out. It just, I was, I was over the moon and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, we didn't know exactly what to expect, but I think all of us collectively saw enough to have these very high expectations that were either met and or exceeded in the Black yeah. Panther film. Isn't it fascinating? Like, so that that's such a great observation. And actually back then, Tyler and I, we recorded an episode of Pass the Mic called, um, I think it was Black Panther and the Longing of a Hero for a Hero King. Mm-hmm. And yep. like so much of that moment, it's, it's, it's crucial. And part of what makes that so different too is that while all the rest of the heroes that we have seen are kind of like cowboying it up, right? Like they're going out and fighting the bad guys because they've got the ability to do so. He actually had the authority to do so because he was a king. He was king and judge and he could actually make these calls. Like this, and it, even in Civil War with the way and the room that, that Chadwick was given to in, in, you know, portraying this role, it, it almost, it's, how do I say this? Like Black Panther, the film was very much an ensemble movie. Same thing with Civil War, right? But because that's the case, the title character almost takes a back seat so that the rest of the ensemble can shine. And so, some of when I think about some of the greatest moments that we got with his character, 
a lot of them do come from civil war, <laughs> even though, you know, uh, he had his own film. Um, and I, yeah. I think that's just because, yeah. you know, so much about the black Panther movie was, it was an ensemble. Like, even though he was the King, it, he wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't all about him. It was about the country. It was about the people. You know, when I look back on the fact that even in that ensemble film, you know, as Black Panther, which we'll talk about here in a second, I think what's so stunning is how Ryan Coogler gives us a little bit of a, a window. And I encourage you, we'll put it in the uh, show notes to read his tribute, which is absolutely breathtaking uh, toward uh, Chaz Mc, Chadwick Boseman. And he talks about some of the little touches that Chadwick introduces in the film that we appreciate now. Like, for example, he says, during the the King's coronation, he said, the Wakandans should dance. He said, because if we don't dance, how are we any different from the Romans? Wow. He said, we we don't just stand there with spears. We dance. That's what we would do. They should dance during the coronation. So that, that little shoulder shrug and that singing and the things that we get in that seminal moment when he's introduced in the ritual combat as the king, that came directly from Chadwick. Um, he was present in some of the supporting actor auditions, which is atypical for someone who for someone who is the lead star in such a big budget film. So he was present to, to gain chemistry with Letitia Wright, and he was present to gain chemistry with Winston Duke and actually turned it into a wrestling match. And they said he broke, that Winston Duke broke Chadwick's uh, bracelet because it was just getting so physical. And, and that was a moment where he kind of smiled and knew that this was supposed to be the person playing M'Baku. And, and also the iconic line at the end, which has been much debated and, you know, whether famous or infamous, but the iconic line at the end with Killmonger was actually supposed to be, bury me in Wakanda. And Chadwick pushed back and said, why would he want to be buried in Wakanda? What if he has to be buried somewhere else? Hmm. And then we get that iconic line, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors. Mm-hmm. That Chadwick was the heartbeat and the force behind this film. And there were so many stylistic choices that he made that were totally different, uh, even down to the language they spoke, which was a decision made on the fly in Civil War, because he learned the language in a day. That day, the day of recording, he actually learned the language because John Connie, the guy who was playing his uh, father, T'Chaka, that's his native tongue. And so I think it's Kosa. I think it's how that's how it's pronounced. Mm. And because of that native tongue, Chadwick was like, no, we should say it in your native tongue. And then that was decided right then and there that that was going to be the language for the Black Panther film. Wow. <laughs> and so wow. as we yeah. think back to all these things, Kugler gave us this intentionality. And then I think, I think it's appropriate to kind of zoom out before we head back to Black Panther to talk about the intentionality that he brings to his acting roles in general, playing Thurgood Marshall playing Jackie Robinson in 42, playing James Brown in the 2014 film, Get On Up. Dude, his James also, Brown was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And he has singing chops and he he has talent. And beyond that, even this year to The Five Bloods, which is the most recent uh, Spike Lee film that was on Netflix. And that, all these movies, he's intentionally choosing not to play stereotypical roles. Mm. He's intentionally choosing to play the stereotypical, uh, well, I, sh- I should say boundary breaking roles that would 
not necessarily benefit his career in the same way that these, you know, blockbuster, cheesy gangster movies would. And so he chooses not to do that and actually chooses to play roles that dignify us, that level the playing field, that give us representation, that carry with it power and and regal dignity. And that choice right there is a choice that many of us did not appreciate fully in his life. But now looking back, his legend swells because he made the decisions that would have hurt his career. But because he made those decisions, he says in an interview, he says that because I turned down those bigger roles, I actually now have even bigger roles that I actually want to do and that actually benefit our community. Uh, I think him as an actor, I think just as as an artisan and as a thespian, that's something that when we talk about excellence and mastering your craft, that's something we can all learn from. Absolutely. Now, I made this uh, argument in one of the initial episodes of Once Upon a Time in Wakanda, and I think it was kind of you guys were caught off guard by me saying it. And and we'll actually talk about that here in a second, because I want to give a, a second for us to breathe and give an ad break here. And we'll be right back because I want to run back that argument, because I think it's it's especially apropos in this moment. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. Well, we're back here talking about the life and legacy of a phenomenal actor, Chadwick Boseman, the king who played Black Panther. And right before we took a break there, I mentioned an argument that I had made, and and perhaps maybe you guys didn't even know this argument, but I, I have jokingly said that Black Panther is the greatest movie of our time. Not the best, not the most technically excellent, not the most award winning. Not the movie that's going to be referenced as far as, oh, this is how you act and this is defining the genre. But if we talk about critical acclaim, financial success, and societal impact, that Black Panther is the greatest movie of our time. It is the movie that will define us. I don't know, guys. I kind of think after seeing the reaction, the fact that his announcement from his Twitter account is the most liked tweet ever in history, in the history of the social media... I kind of think that it's true, and not to toot my own horn, but just to say it may have been bigger than even what I thought it was. Uh, It meant so much to our kids. It means so much to us as people and in our community. So as we look back on it, is now with the death, unfortunate, untimely death of Chadwick Boseman, is, is that going to be the legacy of Black Panther, the greatest movie of our time? It's a great Aaron, question. I as as you were bringing up that that argument, I was recalling just uh, my my thoughts as you were talking because I think we recorded um, 
I think we recorded those episodes when, when we were sitting in a hotel room, the three yes, of us. Yes, we were all together. Yep, we were all together. We were kind of looking. I saw your faces and y'all were like, what is this man saying? What is he talking about? <laughs> I think there is, you don't know a phenomenon is taking place until afterwards. Even if while it's taking place, you're recognizing that something is different, that you could recognize in the moment, you know, that, that, that there's, that there is something, you know, there's something significant, there's something big taking place, but it's like, you can't really appreciate the gravity, uh, until afterwards, you know, and even though 2018, of course, wasn't, uh, you know, an extremely long time ago, by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination, there was so much that was happening at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, if you were to say back then that we're in the midst of a new civil rights movement, you know, there would probably you'd be met with some doubt and possibly even some ridicule. You say that now, just two years later. And for the most part, there seems to be a growing consensus concerning that reality, right? And so mm-hmm. looking back on the <laughs> not just I think it was a phenomenal movie. I think it should I think it should have won an Oscar. Like, I mean, I think we all agreed about that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Like it's for you know, we, we all agreed about that. But it's it's we get movies sometimes not very often that transcend art and invade real life Hmm. in such a way that builds people up and stokes dreams and, and aspirations and, and reinforces dignity and, and, and like even hope. And, Mm -hmm. and so at at this point, man, I I have to agree with you to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Bo's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like, no, but I am like, like, let's, let's unpack this a little bit from the, from the standpoint of, of, you know, beyond the film, beyond the history, Mm -hmm. uh, beyond, beyond the moment. Right. Uh, Which are all, you know, important aspects of, of kind of the question here. I want to go to the character because I was thinking about this um, like, like, you know, so I, I saw the announcement and I was trying to process the emotions that I felt. And one of the emotions that I felt were for kids everywhere. Cause I, you know, I'm a firm believer in representation and for kids everywhere that had attached like to T'Challa, that he was their hero. And I, I just was thinking, man, I got a chance to see Luke Skywalker grow old. And I wasn't talking mm-hmm. about the, the yeah. sequel trilogy. I was talking about wow. Mark Hamill. And I know that Mark Hamill is not Luke Skywalker. He's an actor that portrayed this character, that brought this character to life. But man, he looks a lot like the character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's it's hard for me in the same you know in the same way when when heroes fall, when the actors that portray characters don't live up to the characters there, that hurts us in a way, right? We feel that in a certain way. And when then the actors kind of portray that and either uh, continue to kind of be the character, or not necessarily be the character, but but. Uh, embody aspects of the character, like brought to the character aspects of themselves that we, you know, ascribe to that we, we, you know, want to see and even our own selves. It, it means something. Um, 
And it's a hard thing because, like, look, this is a, this is a geek. You know, we, we, we're all geeks here, so we all we all kind of understand the significant connection that a character can have with with an audience member that we can kind of have with with these characters and the way that it impacts us. And and you know, um, T'Challa, Black Panther, is one of those characters for the ages. Yeah, and that was more my point. Is the reason why we can even have that conversation even before his passing was because of Chadwick. That's like exactly. that's the reason why. The reason mm-hmm. why we can make that type of argument and have that that sort of you know geek nerd conversation is because Chadwick was that great at what he does, and yeah. he was phenomenal as an actor, and he carried himself in a way that made saying that and being happy and overjoyed about Black Panther, it gave us something that there was nothing for us to be ashamed about because he never embarrassed us. That's right. He never embarrassed us. Mm -hmm. He was, he loved us so well. He loved us enough to represent us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, and when kids see that, I think it just, it really drives home that reality of, Oh, this is, he was ours and he belonged to us and he was proud of belonging to us. You know, if I can make a comparison to another superhero. So like, there's been a lot of people who've portrayed Superman uh, and there are some still living that are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're not, but you're not Superman. Though. <laughs> you know. And then there's some are that are like, like, yeah, look, this is, this is, you know, hashtag my Superman or whatever it may be. But I reference Superman, not for that. I'm referencing more for the fact that, so Superman returns was not the best movie. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but it had one of the most truest statements in a, in a, comic book movie ever and it's where clark is is picked up lois they're flying above the stars and she has just written this article about how the world doesn't need a superman and he turns to her and he says you know you you say that people don't need a savior but every day i hear them crying out for one and (laughs) and so like there's so much truth in that that speaks to where we are as not just comic book fans, not just geeks anymore, but like society, right? Like the way that superheroes have become like such a quintessential part of almost kind of American mythology, right? And like global mythology and just the the universal embrace of a lot of kind of superheroes. And it's because there is something that is built into us that is crying out for a hero, that is crying out for a savior and one that doesn't, that, that doesn't yield, one that doesn't falter, one that like, fights for us and saves us and doesn't die. And man, when they, when it becomes, <laughs> when the fiction becomes real and our heroes die and we realize that, you know, that in the end, the superheroes that we're seeing on screen are portrayed by humans, uh, heroic individuals. Absolutely. But, but mortal men and women, it just, it makes you ache. It makes you ache for the world that we live in. The fact that death can take us the way that it does, the fact that even even a hero like T'Challa is such a unique and monumental character that it feels like an entire genre is robbed by his death, and it's yeah. it's it hurts, man. It hurts, and it's supposed to hurt because there's just a brokenness there. Yeah, yeah, that's so well said. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the secrecy surrounding his illness and what I think that says about our society, because I think it is striking for us to consider 
the fact that he fought an illness so bravely in silence. And and I want to be careful about making that an overarching ideal. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be careful about valorizing that particular choice, because I think that's a personal choice for whoever needs to make that and whoever is in that situation. So I want to be very careful about that. And I want to push back against this idea of you know, no excuses, Twitter, and oh, well, see, you don't have any excuses to do what you're yeah, supposed to do, and all this, absolutely. which I think is extremely harmful. And so, we don't use someone's heroic story and their choice and their agency as a tool or a weapon to shame other people. But at the same time, I think it is fascinating to think about his choice of not revealing this. It seems like to anyone except for his close family and friends, maybe not even any of his co-stars. We're unsure at this point whether or not he has done that. And some information may come out by the time this is released that you know d- disputes or debunks that idea. But if the actor and the director of the film were not were, were you know we're not privy to this reality in, in Chadwick's life, I mean what does it say about his decision? Because I think what it says about it is it says so much about the way in which we harm people because obviously, as some people know, I believe it was in April, he had a video talking about raising money for the pandemic and and people's safety and all kinds of things. And he looked gaunt and he looked mm-hmm. weakened and he looked like he had lost a lot of weight and he received so much online vitriol from alleged fans and and followers that he actually had to take the video down because we didn't know he was fighting for his life. What does that say about our society? And what should we reflect on as we see someone like Chadwick Boseman, who seemed untouchable and unstoppable, waste away in front of us? um, And we didn't know. What should that say to us? You know, what's the corrective to our society? I think when you're struggling with cancer or any other type of serious disease. It's outside of human mortality itself. Human sickness is one of the greatest, if not the greatest indicator of our vulnerability. And in terms of vulnerability, we only feel comfortable with it in relationships and in spaces wherein we feel safe, wherein we know that our vulnerabilities will be guarded and protected. And we in the totality of who we are would continue to be loved and embraced. Um, and I, I, I think that goes a lot into that. Um, especially in the manner in which we witness and we see other people, the manner in which they're treated, um, uh, even even before him and, and even before that particular incident. Um, I, I think it's also really important, Tyler, that you emphasize that this was something that was uh, obviously a personal decision that him and his family made. Um, and... Um, there are definitely things to be drawn from it, but it's, you know, it's not prescriptive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're battling for your life and you're wrestling with that, there are some people who might thrive when 
everybody knows and people are pulling for them and mm-hmm. there's an abundance of messages coming through and and things like that but then i also believe and I, and i think it's something that's probably underappreciated in terms of the way we value and uh really embrace and receive one another there are others who they thrive toward the opposite end of that spectrum in silence in tighter groups and just seeking to to walk that journey and and walk that path without as much and this is you know for lack of a better term without all the hoopla sometimes that comes along with someone of great notoriety who who is struggling in in a significant way whether it be a sickness addiction or loss of a family member or whatever and and so I, i think possibly the aversion to being open about it is just it's it's very difficult to uh, be that vulnerable and still to be safe and still to be embracing the totality of who you are and loved in, in our society, man. It's difficult. Yeah. And, you know, it's always, it's interesting because I think we have a tendency to try to apply practices that people with very large platforms have to our own lives and it's not a one to one, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you opening up to your friends and family is not this, like, it's not the same as you going before millions of people who you've never met and share it. You know, it's just, it's not a one-to-one. Um, I will say that when the, I, I guess maybe it was the image from the, from the charity, but I just, I remember the first time I saw him, um, looking more frail, I thought something's up. Um, and I didn't think like, I mean, I guess in the back of my head, it was kind of like, oh, maybe he's doing something for a role. Um, Cause we've seen that before. Yeah. Uh, that's not, Definitely. A, that's not mm-hmm. a, you know, I, you know, that's, it, that's a hard thing. That's a, that's a, that's a hard question. Tyler. <laughs> that's a hard thing to process because <laughs> it, it yeah. really is not a, you know, it's, it's, it very much is different for different folks and, and what makes the most sense for you other than to say that even Chadwick, just because we didn't know doesn't mean that he wasn't talking to people about what was going on, that he wasn't taking care of himself. And I think, you know, I, yeah. you have to talk to people when you're going through something like that. I mean, even you look back to some of those interviews, man. And I mean, like that's, that's been the big uh, kind of almost like archival archeological dig over the last 24 hours. Right. As people have been pulling out these interviews and, these moments. One that absolutely just slayed me was the um, one where he's talking about the two kids that were terminal that wrote in and were trying to hold on so they could see Black Panther hmm. and they didn't make it. And he couldn't even say they didn't make it because he started breaking down and you just thought about what he was, man, man, come on. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that. It's a hard word. That's a hard road to walk. You can't do that alone. You can't yeah. do it alone. You don't need, you don't need us. You don't need like the masses, but you can't do that alone. Yeah. I, I think it really it really showed me how intentionally the greats take their space and their privacy and also what they feel comfortable revealing to people. Mm-hmm. And I know we've kind of had this what's kind of been the signature of of our branding along with Pastor Mike has kind of been this idea of, you know, reckless transparency and, you know, authenticity <laughs> and just like, you know, telling explicit stories of our lives and, you know, and, and it kind of made me sit back and say, 
man, it is true that some things need to be private, mm-hmm. that some things really need to be worked through, and that there's a strength in not receiving the applause. Think about it. He didn't receive applause. Yeah. The applause that he's getting now, he never saw. That's right. Yeah. And thinking about that and saying, I will delay that because that is the best choice for my family. That's the best choice for my wife. That's the best choice for me. That's the best choice for us as a people. I'll take the hit and I'll fail to receive what I deserve in this life and delay that because the most important thing is that I savor every single moment and not that I receive the applause from people who I don't know. And that was stunning to me because it it also really shows us the ways in which we've overvalued the applause and praise of other people. I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, why, why didn't he tell somebody? Why didn't he? And then that's just my initial reactions. I was just so, you know, so shocked and, Mm -hmm. and floored by the news. And I realized he doesn't owe us anything. That's exactly right. (laughs) He owes us nothing, nothing, but he decided to sacrifice in silence for us without telling us, is there anything more noble? <laughs> is there anything more heroic? Is there anything more, is there anything more powerful than taking agency for yourself and saying, this is my choice and they'll talk about me however they talk about me after I'm gone, but I choose to savor every last moment with my family and not have to worry about what people say, what they think, I'll disconnect and disengage and I'll fight my my fight in private. Um, it was just a powerful choice. And I think it just really should make us think twice about how we treat those who are in public spaces. And I know I'm guilty of it. I know everybody's guilty. We just should think twice about how we treat really anyone we come in contact with because we never know what's going on behind the scenes. We never know what they're battling. We never know what they're facing. Kind of transitioning here as we as we kind of land the plane, you know, Chadwick is not just an actor, but he's a voice now. And so some of his clips and some of the moments are living. Some of those moments are kind of, uh, you know, being resurrected in this moment uh, as we reflect and remember his life. And one of the clips that I was kind of chewing on was his address to the Howard University uh, graduates a couple of years ago. And Bro. it just kind of made me sit back and say, you know, we lost someone who, who had a deep understanding and grasp on life and how it should be lived. And he understood that his power and his ability and his focus came from a different place. And as he passes on to what we call the ancestral plane, you know, in Black Panther, um, Black Panther speak, I guess you can say, in lore, he is in the ancestral plane now. You know, it really makes me think about how I live my life and how we live our lives and what we value and what we take pleasure in in this moment and the choices that we make. And I sat back and I said, the way he talks to the Howard University graduates, is the way I want to talk to our people. Hmm. In in whenever I have a platform, I want to lift up and pour into our people. And even if that costs me something in life, let me take this as an example and a reminder that there is nothing more rewarding than that action. Hmm. And so that's how I will remember him. He poured into our people. He loved us. And he took every opportunity to do that. And we didn't even really know the extent to which he did. 
<laughs> you know. So what about you guys? What 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 are the takeaways from you know thinking through and memorializing this amazing life? You know, I, I just want to say, you know, thinking about how you remember somebody, especially somebody taken from cancer, and it, it ties into actually what we just talked about too. But you know, I, I'm I'm sure we we all know or have had somebody close to us that unfortunately has, has died to cancer, and just who they are in the end is so very different from who they were in in life when when they were healthy. And I was thinking about this this fact that you know, man, what a what a beautiful gift of a legacy of artwork for his loved ones who, who were with him that, that, that walked with him as his body fought this thing and changed over time. And he, in all likelihood in the end looked very different from who, who he really was. Um, and to have that, the, the his artifacts is, is so precious. I'm sure to, to his loved ones. Um, and thinking about just kind of a quote from Chadwick, there's actually a quote that I use all the time. Um, and actually it's in every single time I do any kind of like podcast workshop, I always pull this up and actually I, I just pulled it up to, uh, to reference it right now. And I realized in the background, I'm using that same shot from civil war where he's turning his back and looking at the camera, <laughs> looking over his shoulder. Oh man. Yeah. I remember um, this. Yes. Yes. But so this is actually from, this is from, uh, an interview we did at, on the, the breakfast club and, uh, Charlemagne asked, uh, Chadwick was there and Charlemagne asked him like, Hey, so is black Panther a black movie? And his response was the more specific you are in your artistry, the more universal it becomes. And I was like, man, just that's a, that's a knockout of the park quote right there because it is absolutely true. When you make something so very specific and, and laser focused and especially now, especially right, right now, um, it becomes more universal because you are sharing something that is more pure than if you're trying to just make this, you know, uh, popcorn blockbuster that's going to appease everybody. You know, Black Panther, not to get off on a tangent here, but Black Panther could have been like, if this was made in the nineties, like this oh, movie, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Like, <laughs> I mean, like no offense oh. to the folks that were trying to make it happen back then, but if it had been made in the nineties, yeah, it would man. have been a very, very different movie. But with this Absolutely. writer, director cast with Chadwick here at the helm as Black Panther himself, like we got a movie that was not afraid to be intentional. And that's true of Chadwick and everything that he did. Like as we've discussed already and Tyler, as you've mentioned with um, the various roles, he, he was very intentional in choosing. Um, he made his artistry very specific and it became more universal for those of us to really appreciate it in a much, much more true way. You know, um, my pastor used to say, what I am a part of is bigger than the part that I play. Hmm. And it seems to me that he operated with that sort of ethos, you know. Um, he reminds me so much of Joseph <laughs> in that, you know, Angela Bassett talked about how when he was just a student at Howard, not just a student, but a student at Howard, and she was there, he escorted her. Um, and she didn't know who he was. Like, she didn't even remember that. He mm. reminded her wow. of that. And there is something about, it seems to me that there is something about the way he embraced 
moments of obscurity and difficulty and how those things shaped him and how he never forgot those things. But when he when, when you listen to him speak of those things, you don't hear bitterness. And the reason why, you know, I, I, it, it, he reminds me so much of Joseph is that, you know, you have someone who walked through all of these difficulties, but then there is this wisdom and this understanding that they come to, to recognize that the difficulties and the, the door slammed and the missed opportunities are opportunities that you had to pass up in order to stay true to your principles, um, that those are the things that make you that there were counterfeit platforms that were offered to you, but there were very genuine platforms later on down the road that God made for you. And it, it's it's genuinely inspiring to hear him to speak about his place and 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 his 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 craft and his his artwork. And while also recognizing that that artwork and and his contribution to it was actually contributing to something greater um that you know and and i think when you operate like that man it's just you're you're you are and he was pouring into a legacy um whether knowingly or unknowingly i don't know but I just think there's something so special and deeply inspiring about the grace, the just the grace in which um, he spoke of his life and his journey. I mean, you think about it. You could come back and be like, you didn't know who I was, but oh, now, no, it was none of that. It was, it was like, man, I'm grateful. And, and, and um, the, the gratitude and the wisdom um, that in just uh, a short amount of time uh, and what he walked through. Uh, that you could just see exhibited in his life and his speech, man. I just absolutely love it, and uh, I think, I think we could all draw from that. When uh, Dr. Gardner Taylor was speaking about his friend, Dr. Samuel Dewitt Proctor, his contemporary, he said this quote that I'll never forget. He said, "In every place where Proctor worked, he honored the place more than the place honored it, him." He honored the place more than the place honored him. And what he was trying to say was that Proctor loved every place where he was at so much that there was no comparison between how the place could honor him and how he sacrificed himself for them. And I think that is just an appropriate way to summarize the life of Chadwick Bozeman. He honored us more than we honored him. And I think there's no better way to end than just simply saying, long live the king. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you This day when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career.
Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me. The path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. If it's meant for you, I don't know what your future is. But if you're willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. <laughs> the light of new realization shines on you today. Howard's legacy is not wrapped up in the money that you will make, but the challenges that you choose to confront. As you commence to your past, press on with pride and press on with purpose. God bless you. I love you, Howard. Howard forever. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.